Good morning again, and we are continuing in our series through the Gospel of Mark, and I'm excited about not only today, but about where this series has taken us. And, you know, when we look at a gospel, we're looking at a biography of Jesus. That's interesting, isn't it? We get to see who Jesus is. We get to see what he did. Actually, it's an autobiography. If you, uh, you know, God wrote the Bible, the entire Bible was God breathed. And so we're learning more and more about Jesus. And, you know, 2020, we've heard all the vision jokes and, you know, we want to see clearly. And so, you know, I sort of want to piggyback on that, but I want us to see Jesus clearly. I want us to see him more clearly in our lives. And we are learning some very important things about Jesus so far. And we've just been in a couple of chapters. Uh, We've learned that Jesus is the Messiah. Mark comes right out from the beginning and says this is the beginning of the good news. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah. And Messiah means king. So right from the beginning we see that Jesus is king. And then we see that he is the son of God. And Mark's trying to immediately say that, you know, Jesus is uh, God and Jesus is of deity. And then we learn that he's a miracle worker, right? He does miracles. He's powerful. He's sovereign. He brings about change in people's lives. And so we are learning more and more about who Jesus is and and really the identity of someone, who someone actually is, is so important, right? Um, Have you ever thought you knew someone only to find out that they wasn't who you thought they were? You know, you ever made that mistake? So a couple weeks ago, I dropped off the kids at daycare, and, you know, I don't pay much attention to what I'm doing there. Uh, (laughs) So I just take the kids in, and I sign them in real quick, and I reach down and, and hug Callie and tell her I love her and give her a kiss on the cheek and tell her I love her boots. Um, and she turned around, and it wasn't Callie. <laughs> and so I don't know who was more disturbed, me or her. <laughs> the look on her face. But anyway... It was, all right, so look, it was close enough to get me to do, you know what I mean? It looked like her sort of from the back, sort of the same length of hair, same color. Callie loves boots. You know, I'm like, okay, it's her. But it wasn't. I wonder, I wonder how many people have the wrong idea of who Jesus is. All right. I mean, even Jesus says that people will have the wrong idea of me. Many people. Is is he a good man? Good teacher? Good person? You could, is he just is he a miracle worker, or 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 is he just just a savior to you? Right, all those can be true, but it's not fully true. It's not the complete identity of the of the person. What if, what if Jesus is who he says he is? What if Jesus is the son of God? What if? That changes everything for you and for me. That should, that truth should be reflected in my life. 
Why? Because if Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus is the Son of God, then imagine the authority that that identity carries with it. Imagine the priority that that identity brings to our lives. We're learning more about Jesus as we go through Mark, but we're also learning this. We're also learning about us and our part in this. We're beginning to learn more about us and what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to actually believe in Jesus. Is it just a head thought? Or is it a life commitment? You see, in Mark chapter 3, we're going to look at three short stories, and that's what Mark is. It's a collection of Jesus' life bundled up into short stories, and we're going to look at three of those this morning, and we're going to learn three truths about how Jesus, if he is the Son of God, how that should affect our life. So first thing I want you to write down. If, if he is the Son of God, if Jesus is the Son of God, then my heart needs to reflect his heart. My heart needs to reflect his heart. Our hearts are, you could, you could be the nicest person, sweetest person in the whole wide world, right? But scripture teaches us that our hearts are not right before Jesus. They're They're not. And so when we place our faith in Jesus, our hearts need to change. That's what it means by giving your heart to the Lord, by the way. It means you're completely changing your heart and making your heart look like his heart. If he is the son of God, then we need to make sure that our hearts mirror his. Mark 3, verse 1. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely. Anybody know anybody like that? That's just like trolling and looking for something to find wrong with you, right? These guys were like that. They watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus had been around doing things for a little while. He'd been teaching. He'd been healing. He'd been ministering. And last week, Travis taught us that how some of Jesus' ministry overlapped on the Sabbath, And how really the religious leaders made the Sabbath into something that it was never intended to be. So many rules, so many restrictions, so many don'ts. I'd be like, what can I do, right? So many things, it was just ridiculous. Noah, he is my youngest child and he is a troublemaker. He is difficult. And he gets in trouble all the time. Um, And y'all know what I'm talking about if you have kids that get in trouble, young ones. Because I tell them... Sit down and don't move. If you move, I will kill you. <laughs> and you know what Noah does? He goes. <laughs> I couldn't help but think if Noah lived back then with these guys, he would drive them crazy. He would be a habitual Sabbath breaker. And we all would, wouldn't we? I mean, we'd be like, oh, can I, can I step here? You know, can I brush my teeth? It was just ridiculous. Jesus came, he came onto the scene and he challenged the status quo with these guys. And so the, they were on the lookout. They had heard about him. They were looking for him to do something else. They followed him around. And some of them were just watching to see if he would heal this man on the Sabbath. 
this was a very tense moment, what would he do? Would he heal him? Would he not? Right? Let's see what happens. Mark 3, verse 3. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Imagine being this guy with a shriveled hand, and he's just kind of like there, and then all of a sudden his name gets caught up. Stand up in front of everybody, right? Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. These guys were making such a big deal about what a person can't do, and Jesus sort of turns it around and says, does that mean you can't do good? Actually, is not doing good the same thing as doing evil, right? In another gospel, he even says, if somebody falls into a pit, does that mean you don't help them out if it's on the Sabbath? You know, these guys were so prideful that they didn't respond. They knew he was right. They didn't say a word. And look at verse 5. He looked around at them. Pay attention to that phrase. We're going to come back to it later before we close. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Imagine that. So if, all right, if Jesus is the son of God and he looks around in anger and is deeply discouraged, just imagine that feeling. Imagine that glare, that glance, that stare from the and sovereign son of God. He looked at them and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Now listen, we believe Jesus can heal, right? Do we believe that? Hello? Jesus, if, if Jesus is the son of God, you have to believe that he can heal. You have to. Jesus does miracles, right? He is powerful. He is sovereign. He is the son of God. He heals. He restores. He brings life. He can change any person's life. This guy was just standing there. It was probably very strange for him, but I want you to notice what he did through faith. He obeyed. He stretched out his hand, and it was restored. Jesus had healed this man. He had changed his life, and he did this in front of who? Everyone. St he said, stand up in front of everyone. Jesus did this in front of everyone, and he changed. Now, if that would have been us in here today, what would we have done? Clapped, celebrated, cheered. Sell, you know, we would have had joy among us. Did that happen here? It didn't. Look at verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What? A guy gets healed, good happens, and then these guys go out and talk about how they can kill Jesus? And what's also shocking is that um, it mentions the Herodians here. And uh, Herodians were the opponents of the Pharisees. It's a, it's a political thing. Herodians were proponents of Roman government rule. Pharisees wanted Rome out. But it'd be like Republicans and Democrats, right? 
the most right-wing and the most left-wing person coming together on a bipartisan rule on Jesus. <laughs> Disagreeing on everything else, but coming together and saying, we've got to get rid of Jesus. It's crazy. The, the irony, I don't know if anybody picked up on this, though. The religious leaders condemned Jesus for doing good on the Sabbath while they were, what were they doing? Is talking about killing somebody good? You see how silly this is? They're getting mad at somebody for doing good while they're talking about evil. What's their problem? What was their problem? Their hearts. Their hearts had become hard. Their, the, the problem was they were blind, and they were blind because their hearts were hard. You know, I want you to write this down. It's not on the screen, but it's just yeah, a remarkable statement, a remarkable truth. Jesus can work with a withered hand, but he will walk away from a withered heart. He'll work with a withered hand. He'll look, he'll look at this guy, and he'll see the weaknesses in our lives. He'll see the needs in our lives. He'll see the shortcomings, and he will meet us. But you know he will walk away from a withered heart. And you can read on later in this chapter, and that's what I would encourage you to do anyway as we're going through Mark. Read the chapter that we're, we're talking about. But in chapter, near the end of chapter 3, Jesus brings up these same guys again. Um, and these same religious leaders have accused Jesus of doing the work of Satan. They do. You just glance at your Bible really quick, you can see it there. They accuse him of... of doing the work of the enemy, doing the work of Satan. And you know what Jesus tells them? You have committed the unforgivable sin. There comes a point where the heart becomes so hard that it will never, ever turn back to God. God will accept any heart that will turn to him. That's what Scripture teaches us. But the heart does become so hard, there can be so much rejection of Jesus in a person's life so much rejection of the Spirit that the heart becomes so hard that it will never turn to Jesus. Jesus said they committed the unforgivable sin. A hard heart is a dangerous thing to have. It's dangerous. People can have hard hearts. Christians Christians can have hard hearts. Churches can have hard hearts. Um, I remember a story many years ago of a church in the early 90s. A young pastor was at a church, and I believe it was his first, you know, pastorate, his first church. And it was a, you know, more traditional type church. And a lady had called this church and spoke with a pastor. She was a visitor, had never been there before. Probably was not a Christian, but interested. Anyway, the pastor told her where the church was located. You've got to remember, this is before like GPS and websites and all that stuff. You actually had to call and say, where are you? You know, um, he told her where the church was and what time the service started. And so she went and she pulled up in a, uh, junky car and she wasn't dressed like everybody else 
And one of the deacons met her at the door and told her, young lady, we don't dress like that here. And he wouldn't let her in. This pastor went outside just as she was leaving, getting in her car and leaving. And he said that moment haunted him. Haunted him. Not knowing whether that lady went on to live a life apart from God. Needless to say, this guy didn't stay there long. This church had become hard. He left and, and he made it his mission that he wanted to lead a church that would be intentional and unapologetic about reaching everybody. Everybody. That pastor went on to become the, one of the most well-known pastors in one of the largest churches in all the country, Craig Rochelle. And I just saw on the news yesterday that they opened their 35th church today. Today. Many of you might not know who he is. If you've got a phone with a Bible app on it, that's him. That's their church. And you know what they do? They do that for free to anybody that wants to read God's word. That is a heart for anybody and everybody. Amen? Man, that's what I want us to be about here. A heart for everyone. Why? Because Jesus was like that. We have to remember that Jesus saw people as important. We can easily get caught up in rules, traditions, regulations, even our own views, even our own preferences. We can easily allow our hearts to become hard. But if Jesus is the Son of God, then we got to make sure that our hearts are like his. That we see things the way he sees them. That we see people the way he, he does. Second thing, if Jesus is the Son of God, this is important. Write this down. My life can never be the same. My life can never be the same. You all know this, events in your lives, things that happen to you, they can be so big, so dramatic, so important that it just changes the rest of your life. Maybe it's a graduation from school or college. Maybe it's your first job. Maybe it's a marriage. I know for me, it's kids. And <laughs> that has completely changed my life. Almost to the point to where I don't remember my life before kids. Like, I, I just feel like this is who I've always been forever and ever. And this is who I'm always going to be. No, I'm just, but, you know what I mean. When you come to know Jesus, when you know Jesus for who he is, and he is the son of God, listen, your life can never, ever be the same again. Never the the worst thing you want to know the worst thing that can happen to a christian is everything stays the same the worst thing that can happen to a christian is nothing changes in your life as christians our lives are to be completely different they can never ever be the same verse 13 jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him he appointed, and that word appointed is the same word that means made. It's the same word that's used when God made the heavens and the earth. It's interesting that he, he made these 12. He appointed 12 that they might be with him 
and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. We know a little bit about these guys. They were just average Joes before. Now, right? You think they stayed the same after this? No. Jesus appointed the Son of God made these guys to do three things. And I want you to know something. It's not just these guys. You ever wonder why there were 12? Jesus has taken the 12 tribes of the Old Testament. He's saying, I'm doing something new because I'm the Son of God here. This is representing Christianity. He appointed them to do three things. First of all, I want you to notice, very important. He appointed them to what? Be with him. Be with him. Earlier, Jesus said, follow me, right? Remember that? And um, James and John left their father in a boat. See, Dad? Follow me. It's interesting that when rabbis would have apprentices, they would actually live with them. They would spend a lot of time with them. It wasn't just check out at three, their bell would ring, and we go home, see you. They would live with the person and learn from them. Listen, discipleship is a relationship before it's a task. You you have to first be a disciple before you make disciples. I want you to understand that. Jesus is very clear here what the first thing is, and that is to be with him. Next thing. He sent them out to preach. He sent them out to preach. To proclaim the good news of his kingdom and Jesus to others. To tell others about Jesus. To tell others about the power that he has. The life that he has. The forgiveness and mercy that he has. And this tells us that our lives are to be spent pointing others to him. I know that's intimidating sometimes to think that we... uh, you know, have to talk to others or we have to proclaim Jesus. But look, this is what the Son of God has tasked us to do. We have to put Jesus into our conversations. We have to make it a point to tell others about Christ. Look, I understand not everyone is called to be a preacher, but every Christian is called to preach. You are. Third thing, we see here have authority to drive out demons. Now, this is going to... Mark talks a lot about demons and a spiritual battle and the things that take place in this world that we can't really see. We just see evidence of. This stuff is real, folks. We have an enemy. There's a force out there trying to bring every one of you down. I see evidence of it all the time. And honestly, I've seen it more since I've stepped into this position. You think this was a change for them? Yeah, I mean, this would have been intimidating. You mean I I have to go drive out demons? Scary. The point is the world is evil. And we as Christians cannot sit back. We can't. We can't sit back and do nothing about it. The Son of God has given us authority to do something about it. We've been appointed by the Lord to bring goodness into an evil world. Um, We've read in our history books 
uh, about Nazi Germany. It just shows you how evil the world can be. Evil. There's a historian by the name of David Gushy who documents that of 300 million people under Nazi domination, 90%, this is, this is the country of Germany, okay? 90% of Germany was Christian. 90%. Less than 1% acted to help the Jews. Yeah. You might think, well, that's Germany, right? That's a long time ago and far away. This week we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Here. Happened here. Many of you remember that. With racism and segregation, both of which are completely against what Jesus came to do. That was only 60 years ago. We have been sent into an evil world to bring about goodness, change, to confront evil with the power of God head on. How can you do that? How can you be an agent of good in this world? How can you represent Christ where you're at? How can you make a difference? You can. Third thing, if Jesus is the Son of God, and I'll close out on this, My relationship with Jesus should have priority over everything else. My relationship with Jesus should have priority over everything else. He he needs to have precedence in my life. And Jesus' teaching on this, just like with many other of his teachings, are difficult for us to hear. We read this, something like this, and we're like, man, that's hard. But if he's the son of God, is it true? Our perception of Jesus influences our priority of Jesus. It really does. If Jesus is the Son of God, then my relationship with him should be primary. It should have priority over everything else. Verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And Jesus was busy, he was in ministry, crowds were following him, things, things were crazy, things were hectic, and the family of Jesus sort of got word of this, and they got worried. They got concerned about Jesus, and, and, and they decided to step in, to stop what he was doing, and notice it says to take charge of him. You know where else those words are used? When Jesus was arrested. His family wanted to restrain Jesus. They thought things were out of control, that he had lost it. They, look, the, they actually thought he was crazy. The words here say that he had lost his mind. And notice verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brother, brothers are outside looking for you. 
Did anybody else catch that? This, this is Mary. This is Jesus' mother. This is the lady, this is the lady that had a baby when she was a virgin. This is the lady that angels came and, and told her everything that was going to happen. Well, this is her. Somehow, this blew me away reading this. Somehow she lost sight of who Jesus is. Somehow along the way she lost it. She lost sight of what Jesus came to do. Look, if you don't think you can lose sight of who Jesus is, if his mother can, you and I can just like that. Just like that. So what's, what's the key here? I want you to notice something in, this, in these verses. His earthly family was where? Outside. Where's everybody else? inside around him and then notice what Jesus says who are my brothers who, who are my mother and my brothers he asked and then here's that phrase that I told you to pay attention to at the beginning when he looked around with anger now he's looking around he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said here are my mother and brothers. What a, what a great privilege it would have been to have been in that room to know that the Son of God is looking at you with love and accepting you into his family despite the sin that you were living in and saying that you are a part of my family. That's great love. Many things compete with our attention. Many things compete for our resources. But if Jesus is the son of God then he needs to be the most important thing in our life listen and I want to close young person, old person does your relationship with Jesus have priority in your life I know we are busy I know we got things going on I know we have families that we want to spend time with Sure, we prioritize those things. Where does Jesus fit in? Teenager, I know you got stuff going on. I know you got places to go. I know you got things to do. I know you got activities you're involved in. I know you got friends to hang out with. Where's Jesus? Notice what he says here in verse 35. Whoever does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. What is he saying there? Whoever does God's will is my family. My family. If Jesus is the son of God, my relationship with him should have priority over everything else, which means this. Whatever he wants me to do, I should see as important. His will should be our goal. Are you doing his will? Now today we're having a baptism. I want you to hang out for that. 
That's people doing the will of God, folks. And if you've professed faith in Jesus but haven't been baptized, I want you to know his will for you is to be baptized. Why? Because we read about his baptism two weeks ago. Are you living in sin? And you know about it, but it's just kind of, you're kind of treating it as unimportant or not a big deal. I want you to know that God's will for your life is to not live in sin. Are you doing his will? Is there something that you're not doing that you know you should be doing? In your bulletin there, there's a section that says, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I want you to answer that today. What is God speaking to you today? How can you spend more time with Jesus? How can you live in his will? Well, let's pray together. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your message to us. Father, we just long to see you for who you are. And Father, as Jesus being the Son of God should change everything in our life. Father, help us to have hearts that reflect the hearts that Jesus showed to us. Help our lives not to be normal ever again, but you have given us a purpose, given us a mission here, and that is to represent you and to build your kingdom and to do good. Father, help us to understand that we need to have you prioritized in our lives. We need to see you as primary. And all the other relationships that we have, many things are important. But we should be like these people were, circled around you, which means that you are at the center of our lives. You are at the center of our marriage. You are at the center of our families. You are at the center of our workplaces. Help us to put you in your proper place, which is at the top. Father, if there's someone here today that does not know you, I pray that they would see you for who you are. The Son of God came to save the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.